us to uh, welcome Scott Duke and his family today. Scott, so glad to see you and your sister with you and your family. I tell you, it uh, takes a lot of courage to come back to the church where you worship with your mom and know that she's gone to be with the Lord. And uh, it takes a lot of courage to do, do that. I remember when my, my mom passed away, uh, my dad was not able to go back to that church. Just the grief and, you know, couldn't handle it very well. And uh, he ended up going to another church that my brother was the pastor of and got involved there. So today I want to speak uh, for just a few minutes, and I do mean for just a few minutes, I'm not going to keep you all day, from Revelation chapter 21. So if you will, turn in your Bible to Revelation 21. And today we're going to talk about the four no mores in heaven. The four no mores in heaven. And I pray that this will be a blessing to you. It's a pastoral uh, kind of message, not so much uh, evangelistic as it is pastoral, and I pray that it will bless you today, particularly those of you who are on a grief journey this uh, Christmas ho holiday, uh, that this would uh, give you inspiration as well. Looking forward to next Sunday's Ugly Christmas Sweater Contest. Um, uh, we thought about that during the week, and Lynn and I said, yeah, I think that'll go over at Ekron, so, uh, so we're, we're going to try it. I'm looking out at some of the ugly sweaters I can see today. I, I'm still looking to find one, but um, maybe Bill. Bill's got an ugly one on today. He doesn't look too bad. Maybe, maybe he could wear that. <laughs> maybe Bill could wear that next Sunday. We'll wish you good luck, brother. <laughs> um, also, we are receiving our Lottie Moon Christmas offering gifts next Sunday, and um, that'll be right after the video next Sunday. And then after the service, we'll have the uh, Ugly Christmas Sweater Contest, and that'll give time for the um, um, WMU to count the offering and see just how close we are uh, to the 8,500 goal. <clears throat> you know, all we need is eight of us to give $1,000. We'd be there, wouldn't we? Just eight of us give $1,000. I believe we could do that. Or uh, 80 of us give $100 we would be there. And so uh, that's doable, that's r reachable for this church, and uh, I encourage you to be faithful in giving to the Light of Moon Christmas offering, knowing that every penny of it goes to support our missionaries. None of it goes to overhead. All of the administrative part is taken care of through the cooperative program. And so because our church gives the cooperative program faithfully, that takes care of the administrative details and cost of keeping missionaries on the field. Um, it takes about 20% of all the gifts that we receive to keep the missionaries on, on the field for, for the administrative costs. The rest goes directly to the uh, missionaries. You will find in researching uh, that amount of money, that percentage of cost is the lowest that any uh, volunteer organization, the lowest expenses that any volunteer organization has. Uh, that includes all your TV m m ministries, all of the ministries that don't give an account of how they spend their money. Uh, they don't report to you. Southern Baptists report every penny of what we spend back to the people. And so we are able to monitor how the money is spent and we know where it's going. And um, 
and that's why we have those good st statistics. That's a hard word to say, Bill, statistics. Thanks for letting me <laughs> pick on you and your, your, in your interesting sweater you got on. All right, Revelation 21. Uh, let's begin by reading verse 1. John is writing now uh, at a, a point where he has um, explained to us the, uh, the scroll that, the, uh, th that uh, the Father holds on the throne of heaven and that Jesus is able, Jesus is the only one who is able, who has authority to unlock that scroll, to open the seals. He has explained to us when you get to the seventh seal, there's seven more, there's seven more trumpets. When you get to the end of the seven trumpets, there are seven short stories or tableaus. And at the end of the seven tableaus, there are seven bowls of wrath. And all of this points to the wrath of God judging the evil in this world. And uh, if you ever wonder why evil is so hard to overcome, think about how hard it is to plant a crop in the soil and keep the weeds out of it. Just, just think for a moment. You're always working on trying to hoe the garden or, or keep the weeds out of it. It's like the weeds come up automatically. You don't have to plant them. They just happen. Um, now, I've got this thing at the house that I use to spray the, uh, the, the garden with, and, um, and it kills the weeds for a while. But all kinds of other weeds come up in its place. And it seems like no matter how hard you work at killing the weeds, Weeds just keep coming up. Evil is the same nature. It just keeps coming at you. It just keeps coming at you. It's like it never ends. And Satan is doing everything in his power to take away from you and me the good of this life, the good of this world, and et et eternal life as well. Jesus said it this way, The thief has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Satan does not want you to live forever. Satan wants you to be destroyed with him. And it is Satan who has rebelled against God from heaven and was dismissed from heaven and his followers, his angel followers, and those who will refuse the salvation in Jesus Christ are the ones who are going to experience the second death the second death. There are two deaths that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. The first death is, the, is our natural death. We all experience that. But then there's going to be a resurrection of all the dead. All the dead. And all are going to be judged. And those who have received Christ as Savior and Lord will be judged at the uh, judgment seat of Christ. And we will enter God's holy heaven because our name is found in the Lamb's book of life. The rest will be resurrected to a judgment called the white throne judgment of God. And those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast out into outer, outer darkness, separated from God forever and forever and forever. And that is called in the scriptures the second death. You die once a natural death, but then you face the great white throne judgment of God without the, without the atoning blood of Christ, without your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. 
and you're cast out into outer darkness into a place called death and hell. In this place of fire and destruction and death separated from God, death itself is thrown into the lake of fire. So death is destroyed and those who are followers of Satan and the angels of Satan are destroyed as well. Finally and completely, death has been destroyed. And that's the judgment of God upon the evil of this world. You and I are offered the escape. You and I are offered the exit plan in order to, ex in order to be exempt from this second death simply by having faith and commitment to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And so we are allowed to enter now into God's holy heaven. And John writes about what he saw coming down out of heaven. And if you'll notice, there are no words that can truly describe the reality of heaven. He uses words to say, it is like, it is like, it is like. Comparing heaven to things that we are familiar with here on earth. And so he says in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. John was exiled on an island a long way from the mainland, and between him and the mainland were, was this endless sea. This endless, he could not see back home, and so he was separated from his loved ones. We do know that John was returned to Asia Minor, uh, some believe that the book of Revelation was actually written on the continent of Asia Minor after John returned. Uh, there's a lot of debate about that. But John is saying anyway, I saw in this vision while I was on this island of Patmos, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. And this is what it was like. He said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Whatever you think heaven is, heaven is a beautiful place. Heaven is a beautiful place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When John writes about heaven, he said it's like a bride adorned for her husband. It is the occasion of beauty. It is the occasion of our very best. And God is preparing his very best for you and for me. Not in this world, but in the world to come. Now the message of Revelation is this. Continue to be faithful in this world, even in the midst of persecution, because I've got another world awaiting for you. And our character development in this world is getting us prepared to live in the next world to come. There really is a heaven, and it really is a beautiful, beautiful place. The Apostle Paul said it this way, It is not entered into our imagination yet, what God has yet prepared for those who are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. So just as you're waiting on Santa to come, we're waiting also for Jesus to come. 
We're waiting for him to return. And when he does, he will transport us into this beautiful place called a holy heaven. Now, we see some things about this holy heaven. Not only is it a beautiful place, but it is also a benevolent person. Heaven is a beautiful place, and it is also a benevolent person. Listen to verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. Now, where God tabernacles is where God dwells. So when you think about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you think about the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle where the lamb was offered, the blood of the lamb was offered for the sacrifice of the people, and God came down and consumed that altar. Uh, That tabernacling, that word means to dwell. God is dwelling with his people. We call this the incarnation. God has come to live with us and to be with us in our life in Jesus Christ. In God's holy heaven, we will dwell with him in this place called heaven for all of eternity, never to be separated again. Behold, the dwelling of God, the tabernacle of God is among men. He shall dwell among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. This incarnation of Jesus was explained by Paul Harvey one time as he told the story of a family that was going to the the little church nearby to attend the candlelight Christmas Eve service. It was to be held at midnight. And the father was invited to go. And the father said, I'll not go. And so the mother and the children went on to attend the candlelight service. It was snowing that evening. And as it was snowing that evening, the father was sitting by, drinking coffee by the, by the fireside, and he heard a bump, just a kind of a thud, come to his, uh, his pane glass w- w- window. As he looked out, some birds had come to try to get into his home because his home was warm, the birds were hungry, and they were trying to get in, and they were thumping up against the window pane. Finally, the father said to himself, as the family had gone on to to candlelight service, I know what I'll do. I'll go outside, and I'll try to feed the birds. And so the father goes outside, and he calls out to the birds, and they will not follow. Finally, he decides, I will uh, scatter out some seed, and and, uh, I'll uh, try to get them to come into the barn. If they'll just come into the barn, uh, they'll be safe, and they'll be okay. But the birds didn't follow him. They wanted to come inside. And finally the father said to himself, if I could just tell the birds, if I could just tell the birds where the food is in the barn, then they could go. And the bells of the church bell rang, and the father began to realize that's why Jesus came, to become one of us to be like us in every way, and show us the way to eternal life, to show us the way to eternal security, to show us the way to feed forever upon the bread of life that never extinguishes and never goes out, and we will be safe and secure for all of eternity if we will but believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Have you made that decision? To ask Jesus to forgive you of sin and come into your life and be your Savior and be, be your Lord? If you have, you will in God's holy heaven experience the four no mores of heaven. Here's no more number one. There shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any death. In God's holy heaven, death has died. In God's holy heaven, death has been overcome. In God's holy heaven, death no longer looms over us as the future that we must face. Death is over and death has been destroyed. That's one of the no mores of heaven. Now if you follow the sequence here, you'll notice that along with death comes three other things. There shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning. With death comes mourning. There shall no longer be any crying. With death comes mourning and crying. And there shall no longer be any pain. With death comes mourning and crying and pain. These four things are absent in God's holy heaven. People often ask us, how the Curry's doing? And we say, well, we're learning. We're walking through grief just like many of you are walking through grief. And it's very difficult. But we're learning. And here's what we're learning big time. We are learning to embrace the grief so that we may also embrace the grace. I want you to sit on that for a minute. We are learning to embrace the grief so that we can also embrace the grace. Along with grief, God is giving us himself so that we might experience the very grace of God that sustains us and gives us the hope of the four no mores in God's holy heaven. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That's the grace that we're holding on to. When I was uh, 16, my mom died. And in reflection about that era just a few months ago, sharing with a group that I was in in clinical pastoral education, it became apparent to me, somebody asked, us the question, asked me the question, did you ever talk about your mom with your dad? And I said, no, we never talked about mom. We lived together for a year and a half but we never mentioned mother's name. And they looked at me with a kind of stark, you know, question mark on their face to say, you mean you never mentioned your mother's name? You never talked about your mom? I said, oh, no. Hey, where I grew up and where I came from, you just sucked it up. You just went on. You just kept on working. You just kept on going forward. 
and you didn't talk about your beloved because to do so would be to be vulnerable. And the last thing we wanted to show was vulnerability. And what I've come to learn is without vulnerability, there's no realness in life. There's no authenticity in life. It's all a mask. It's all a game. It's all a play. And God is inviting us to think about the grief that will one day be gone. And so in hope, we embrace the tears. In hope, we embrace the unanswered questions. In hope, we actually survive the, the, the anger of the moment. But also, with all of that grief comes the grace of God. And if I shun the grief, if I deny the grief, if I say it doesn't affect me, then guess what I miss out on? The grace of God. And folks, there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more promising. There's nothing more uplifting than the very powerful presence of the grace of God in your heart and in your life. For with His grace comes peace. With His grace comes courage. With His grace comes hope. Now I can go on. Now I can preach another sermon. Now I can share the good news of Christ. Because I have a hope that the world does not have. I do not grieve as others grieve without hope. But we grieve with hope. Believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he was raised from the dead by the power of Almighty God. And because of that great hope, we go forward in our own hope. For one day, we will be reunited in God's holy heaven. We will be together again. And we will know each other. We will know each other's name. We will know each other's history. We will be brothers and sisters together in Christ Jesus, in God's holy heaven for all of eternity. That's a hope worth holding on to. That's a hope worth talking about. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be authentic. It's okay to cry and grieve and mourn in this hour. Mourning lasts for the night. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Morning, the Bible says, lasts for the night. But joy comes in the M-O-R-N-I-N-G, in the new day that God offers. So hang in there with your grief. Hang in there. Courage comes like waves on an ocean. Courage comes in waves. Hang on for the next supply. Because as courage comes your way, you'll be able to... Be authentic with your grief, and not only authentic, but with the grace of God as well. You can embrace His grace and say, thank you, Lord, for being with me. Just as God dwells among His people in Revelation 21, and there will be, because God dwells there, there's no more death, there's no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. 
We experience that same grace with God's presence right now. As we embrace the grief, we also embrace the grace. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. Because it'll get you a little further down the road in a healthy kind of way as you live your life and enjoy the holidays to come. Yes, enjoy your holidays. Don't skip out on the joy. Don't feel like you've got to withhold good times and joy because someone else is not able to be there. If they could be here, they would tell you how much joy they're experiencing. They would want you to have just a taste of the same joy. Let me end with verse 5 and share with you the most important thing about heaven. Yes, heaven is a beautiful place. Heaven is a benevolent person, and that is our God. Heaven is also filled with the hope of the grace of God dwelling with us for all of eternity. But the very best part of heaven is verse 5. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write it down, John, for these words are faithful and true. The very best part of heaven is it's really there. It's really there. And God awaits. God awaits for you and I to embrace the return of Jesus Christ. And he will take us into his holy heaven. And we will reign with him in this cube that's 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high, and 1,500 miles wide. There will be uh, 12 gates around heaven and they will all be open all the time. And we will go out and in and out and in. And as we go in to worship God, we will go out to join him in his creative activity. Whatever he has us to do in his new creation. Behold, I am making all things new. The Lord bless you this Christmas season. The Lord be your strength. The Lord be your hope. Embrace the grief and you can embrace the grace. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that in this place and in this time and this hour we have the opportunity to make a decision to ask Jesus to come to live in our life and our heart and be our Savior and Lord and to confess him before others. And there's some that need to come this morning and I pray that during this song of invitation they'll just come, be seated here on the front row and then we'll talk together after church about following Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m., 
for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.